I think for me, that would be success because there's a handful of organizations that I really respect and have been fortunate to, to speak to them. When you walk into their office, when you walk into their plant, you just feel this sense of positivity, this, this love, this, you know, this warmth. And that, that feels really good. And, and so if we can build an organization like that, where people are you know, getting better every single day, they're, they're advancing in their career, the, the company becomes this image of, of true value to, to consumers. And then ultimately, if you're proud to work here because your mother's proud that you work there, I mean, so awesome. that would be amazing for me. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I am very excited today, and I think you'll sense that in my energy, to have my guest, Kenshiro Uki, who is the president of Sun Noodles North America and Europe. So welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you on. Thanks, Christine. I'm obviously super fortunate and, and appreciate the opportunity. So thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I can't wait for you to tell everyone about your particular brand of ramen, because I think it is completely different, super interesting, and also changed my opinion. So I can't wait for you to talk about it. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the brand and how it got started, and then we can talk about where you're headed. Sure. Yeah, I think for most people, when you think about Sun Noodle, maybe it's still unknown as a brand. I mean, my father started 42 years ago on the island of Oahu in Hawaii, and he had a huge mission to bring from his kind of home country, Japan, some craft premium, you know, fresh quality ramen noodles, primarily serving the restaurants and chefs of Hawaii. And, you know, that's where we started. We're mainly food service, uh, serving some of maybe your favorite ramen shops throughout the country today and super fortunate with that. You know, that's kind of what Sun's known for. It's serving some of the and working with some of the best ramen shops in the food service industry. So... I think that's interesting because I think when you think about ramen at home, it's very different than what you get when you go out for ramen. And now you're bringing ramen to homes. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's really compelling to not have to go. And those restaurants don't exist everywhere, right? They're in major cities, but not all around the country. So can you talk a little bit about the way you're trying to expand the brand? Yeah. And I think call it fast forward because I, I grew up obviously eating the noodles that my father made and you know, my mom. And I think my sister and I, he said, we were always the, the taste testers for any products being being made. You know, not everyone grew up in that environment where you're surrounded by ramen noodles and fresh ramen noodles. And so, you know, fast forward to where we are today, there, there's so many ramen shops opening throughout the country, obviously starting in maybe the coast, LA and, and New York, you know, th- those coastal areas where you're fortunate to have access to some amazing ramen shops, but as you mentioned, they're not available everywhere. However, I think with the you know the amount of work that these chefs have done to elevate the image of what ramen is, you know, I think we think about ramen as maybe sometimes what you ate in college or what you survived on, but you know, that that's okay. But I think there's also an opportunity today with the restaurants and what they have done is really introduce and expose people to this craft ramen. That, that they do. And so we're super fortunate because we've been a part of the industry now for 42 years. And the opportunity that we see, and we've been really fortunate with, call it the, you know, the past five years, is 
to bring these ramen kits to the households and homes for people to be able to craft and make really good ramen that that they have the experience at the restaurants in their home kitchens. And, you know, for First Son, it's always been bridging the two cultures of Japan and the U.S. through this beautiful bowl of ramen. It starts and it continues to be with restaurants. And today we have these opportunities in call it retail and CPG to bring the experience to households. It's so awesome that you're doing it. How are you finding the adoption of it so far? Very, very different. I think when I first yeah. moved out here, you know, 10 years ago to, to come to New Jersey, I think there was a lot more, call it maybe education, trial, tastings. I was in stores and samplings for people to try, you know, what, what ramen is. But, but again, to the point of the credit for the restaurants and what they've done through their customers that they serve, I think the awareness of what ramen is today, I mean, it's much more advanced than what it was called even 10 years ago. I think social media has helped, these restaurants have helped other brands and, and really getting, I think, not just in ramen, but just ethnic, call it cuisine, there's so much of interest today. And uh, I think yeah, there's been a lot sure. more acceptance there. So, yeah. I think so too. And I think, I think we talked about this a little bit. There are a built-in group of people that have a misperception of ramen at home, not misperception. It's the perception of what they've experienced so far. And I think combining that thing that you're talking about, which is this higher level of awareness in general about how good ramen can be because of the restaurants with you can actually have this at home is so different than the experience that most of us have had. And so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about going from food service to consumer brand because it is really different and it's a tough market to crack in a way. But once you do, I think, you know, the upside is I'm sure huge for you guys. Yeah. And I, not to just, again, discount anything with instance, I think, you know, it, it was no, a good of course not. Like 5 billion servings of ramen are for instant, yeah. you know, consumed. And there's a little bit of a shift. I think consumers today are maybe interested more in fresh in quality, Definitely. you know, in some, in some of that convenience. And, and that's where we have a real opportunity to, to bridge some of the experience that we do have serving the, the restaurants and then making these meal kits. And, 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 you know, to your point, it's so different because for food service, in my experiences, if the chef falls in love with the product or if the chef just wants the product, you can start working with them tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, there's not too many marketing or, or packaging that you have to do. It's, yeah. it's a lot of just, you know, really good quality noodles. And so for us, marketing spend or marketing budget was quality of the noodles. As long as the noodles were going to be good quality, and we focused just on ingredients, the chefs would accept it. And so then transitioning into call it consumer goods or CPG, we've been serving some of these ramen kits in call it Asian retail, the H Marts, the Mitsuas, uh, the Asian supermarkets that's in the, throughout the country for, for years now, ever since I was growing up, my father had always been doing retail uh, products. And again, my sister and I were, were the taste testers. And, and his thought was that if the kids love it, then the parents would buy it. If it tastes delicious, if it was safe for you, if it's something that you'd be proud and you know, feel good to feed your loved ones, that he would create a consumer base. And so I think for him, it was always get people to try it. They'll fall in love with it. And that's always you know not, not changed since day one. And so for us, when I moved to New Jersey in 2011 to open our operations out here, and as we were you know, serving many more restaurants in 2015, if we go back to the opportunity that came to us was through Whole Foods. 
And this was kind of the first, call it step outside of Asian retail mm -hmm. that we had an opportunity to produce and make these ramen kits for a consumer set that we've dreamt of, of serving. John Lawson, Ellie Truzel, who you know, Ellie's been on your podcast, and yes. she is someone that I continue to go for inspiration, for feedback. And John Lawson today has, has continued to be that, that supporting factor who, who would always just answer my nagging text messages and emails. But you know, they held our hand and they walked me through the process. And I think some of the first early on mistakes on that call at the retail is we want to make sure that people can experience this ramen culture at home, that ramen experience. For me, I thought success was just getting products on the store shelf. That was a huge mistake early on. And John quickly taught me about that. But, you know, there's a lot of things that we're, we're just trying. It, it's still, there's no category of fresh ramen today. And no, there isn't. We, we hope to be able to build that with other brands, but it's a lot of trial and error, you know, a lot of sampling in stores, a lot of just promotions, a lot of just awareness building. But it goes back to what my dad started, you know, st started early on is get people to try it. And once we get people to try it, put it in their mouth, we feel pretty confident that they'll love it. And so that seemed to work pretty well so far. So how are you going about doing that sampling? And I imagine during COVID, it was a huge challenge that hopefully has changed a little bit for you guys now. COVID was, was challenging for, for all of us and especially for Sun as we work with restaurants and that's part of the main business. But on the flip side, if we think about the optimistic there was that when restaurants were figuring out the takeout, you know, we had the opportunity to get more products on store shelves at, at Whole Foods. And we've shifted a lot of the production to, to get products on store shelves. And so while we couldn't do in-store sampling, we did a lot of promotion. We did a lot of just, you know, getting products into the hands of, of the people. We, we launched an e-commerce business because we felt like, well, some customers couldn't have access to, to our products. And so let's get it straight to their house. Let's have them try it. And that's really been a blessing because the repeat on our e-com has been really fantastic in terms of stats. But just, you know, whatever we could do to get people products. And even if they had a, call it, well, maybe not so pleasant experience with our products, maybe the cooking wasn't right or they had a complaint. You know, if they took the time to write to us and if they took the time to reach out and say, I didn't really enjoy it, we'd quickly send them another box and say, hey, you know, maybe here's some tips. What do you think now? And those have been really fortunate for us because with a little bit of just that advice and some of that direction, they've become fans and have been buying our products. And so it's just really getting everything and that we can do to, to get people to try it. And that's been an experience for us. So I want to pause on this for a second, because I think this is a really good moment for people to hear about. I think even as in my own business, as a marketer, when something doesn't go the way you want it to with a client or a customer, and you can turn it around the way that you're talking about that gives you stronger relationships than you could have ever hoped to have. And I think that's brilliant because you're not saying, ah, they're not my people. You're saying, I'm going to make them my people and they're really going to be my people. And I think that's really, really smart and a great use of an opportunity that might not feel like an opportunity at the time. So that's really cool. Probably because of this, you know, during COVID where a lot of things were on pause and prior to 2020, the company was growing so quickly. It was we were growing so fast, and and sometimes I think too fast. But this time of the pandemic, when things paused, I felt like for us as an organization, we could really figure out okay, what things matter today, and 
what are some things that maybe do not matter anymore? And, and what can we do to then innovate into the future? And what does that look like? While respecting what we've done for 40 years is what are things that's going to keep us relevant moving forward? And this whole notion of building a brand, I thought, again, if it was restaurants, you make a great product, that stamp of approval, I think is priceless for us. When, when chefs talk about sun, that is the real chef's kiss. It's that stamp of approval. And so it's always been for me is how do you build a brand under sun, an organization that can then become maybe the category creator for fresh ramen in the US. And to your point, you know, when do you stop? Because for me, I really feel like if, if customers try our products in the way that it should be cooked, I believe the majority would just enjoy loving it. And so, you know, Danny Meyer, I just read his book about setting the table and he all, and there's a chapter that talks about writing the last chapter, which means the diner may or may not have a really pleasant experience, but what can you do to manage that last chapter, manage that last experience? That It's, it's a very positive one. And, and there's different ways of doing it. Maybe it costs some money, but if that changes that customer's experience and becomes a lifelong fan or a consumer, then that pays it for itself. And so early on when we were doing e-commerce and we didn't know what we were doing because of, you know, we've never done it before. It was this thing about just moving fast and, and, and breaking things, right? It's just continue to repeat and improve and, and you know just refurbish that. And so it's just always this mindset of it's not going to be perfect the first time. And so let's just continue to improve on it. What do we learn from that experience? And then make sure that we can do whatever we can to make that consumer's experience pleasant, because that would be such an amazing story for, for all of us. I think that's fantastic. You talked a little bit about chefs, and I know you have a partnership with Morimoto. Can you talk a little bit about that and in general, how you feel about partnerships with chefs and what you think it could do for the business? Yeah, in our partnership with, with Chef Morimoto and you know, obviously others that, that we're so fortunate to work with, you know, we know that Sun can't bring the ramen culture and we can't bring this all ourselves. Like we can't do it ourselves. And so for me, it's always about how, how does everyone win here? Yeah, I think the chefs industry have done the bulk of the work to get ramen out you know, in the minds of people, what really good ramen is. And so today where Sun has an opportunity to do more consumer packaged goods, more branding, it's like, let's invite those partners that have helped us for years. Let's figure out if there's a way that if there's interest from their side to do something together, you know, let's do it. Because not just with the Iron Chef Morimoto's ramen kit in collaboration, we did one with David Chang of Momofuku last year. And the sheer amount of people that don't know Sun, but know Momofuku and know Morimoto and the other chefs, when we can then call it innovate and create these, these products that gets them to become Sun fans and, and then moving forward, I think it's just a beautiful thing for the industry. And so for me, it's always been, how do we find a win-win for, for everyone? And there's a, a lot of Momofuku fans out there. There's a lot of Morimoto fans out there, but they can't all, you know, go to New York City, they can't all go to LA or Seattle where the stores are. So why not bring that experience to their home? And that's been something for me, not just fun and exciting, but really meaningful in terms of pushing this kind of, you know, this fresh ramen, this category into more households. I love it. I love the collaboration. We learn so much from these chefs. So I think you're right about the collaborations because those are 
first of all, they're the influencers, right? They're the people that bring us things that we've never tried before. And they're not that accessible for most of the country. They're just not, even though it's a treat. Whenever I can go to either one of those restaurants, it's so exciting, but it's very rare for me because I'm not in one of those cities. So I think it's really cool what you're doing. And I think that the credibility that you obviously get when you do that is huge. Interesting. And I think about myself because I grew up in Hawaii. And until I was in college, I lived in Hawaii. And for people in Hawaii, we don't have access to, you know, all these restaurants or or chefs. And so for me, there's also kind of a self kind of reward. Like I really want to make sure that people in Hawaii get to experience, you know, some of these partnerships that we have. You think about when Olive Garden opened in Hawaii, we went crazy because we can only (laughs) see the commercials. We've never had one. And so, you know, it's, it's a little bit of just all these different things, but it's such a, you know, I think there's a lot more people out there who would just love to experience that restaurant. You know, they don't have access to it, but if we can bring some of that to their homes, that's just something that we're super excited about. So you talked about Whole Foods being your first big foray into grocery and retail. Do you have national distribution in Whole Foods or is it? Yeah. So we obviously learned a lot. And again, you know, John and Ellie has always advised me to take a very disciplined approach into getting your products. Right. And so we started with Northeast Okay. we learned a lot there. And then we took our learnings and we applied to SOPAC, the region that we got invited to in about 2017. And then during the pandemic, we focused to make sure that their products were inventoried and good. And then last year in March, we got kind of the nod to go national. Amazing. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. How are you guys supporting that? Because I know that there's a big, you know, I've worked with so many brands where they get distribution and if they don't support it properly and their velocities go below where they need to be, they lose distribution. So what are you guys doing from a support perspective on Whole Foods? And then do you have other distribution that you either just got or you're working on? Yeah. So first and foremost, I think it's our team. You know, our our team is so nimble. (laughs) When things happen, that's really amazing. They're ready to roll their sleeves. And so we have an amazing team who's not just focusing on making sure velocities are getting better. They're looking at data every week, but they're trying to figure out ways to make sure that it gets even better from there. You know, just con- mm-hmm. constant monitoring, whether it's promotions or, or samplings or there's any kind of collaborative things with other brands at Whole Foods and being on social media. So creating just awareness around getting our products noticed I think from our team internally, first and foremost, I just want to show that love because it's definitely different from what we've always done, but they've yeah. been so welcoming to, to challenge those different things. And then secondly, for that, to your point, we brought on a broker that can help us manage the weekly conversations, manage the distribution channels that, that we you know, were fortunate to work with. But because of us being in Whole Foods and getting national distribution, now we have, call it products place in distribution centers across the country, which allows us the next step is to get into you know, some markets. And so there has been some really great opportunities that our team's been working on. We just know that we want to make sure that we don't just say yes to everything. We want to yeah. be intentional about the category because if John's you know reminding me of something that, that always keeps me kind of aware of our decisions is that once you don't do well, and if you don't succeed, it's very hard to get back in. So we just want to make sure that, you know, as much as possible with all the great opportunities is just be really intentional about the success, where we want to be placed, you know, where we find the best velocities in the store. And also on our side is make sure that we can manage the relationship because we want to make sure that we take care of every relationship that we can. So, yeah. yeah. 
What's the biggest challenge you've had so far or you're uh, facing uh, right now? Just in business in general? Yeah, well, I'd say like you're transitioning to CPG. I mean, I'm not, you're not going away from food service, but what's the biggest challenge with, I'm thinking about the people who might be listening and the people who might need advice. So what's the biggest challenge you guys are facing from that perspective right now? And how are you sort of managing through it? I've been fortunate to listen to, you know, many of your other speakers. And I think we all have kind of maybe the same common challenges in terms of, for me, it's, it's always, you know, I have this vision of what Sun can be in an amazing organization with, with a brand that brings it. And so, you know, for me, it's always been the people, you know, we, we call them the Ohana. Ohana means family. We're a family business. You know, we've for 42 years, my, my father and my mother have done everything that they can to make sure our company is profitable every year. So that disciplined approach on growth. The challenge there, though, is there's so many opportunities that come in CPG with you know, all the bells and whistles, all the flashy stuff. But for us, it's always keeping grounded in terms of just disciplined, smart growth, profitable growth that happens. And you know, we learn a lot. So we bring on some really amazing talent, a lot more educated than, than I could ever be. And we rely on them to help us guide, you know, how do we be more successful in CPG? How can we serve our consumers better there? At the same time, let's not forget about the food service partners because they keep our lights on. And they are the chefs that we're so proud to work with. But the one challenge I think for me, and I'm trying to be a little bit better at this, is you know, you know Simon Sinek. I just love what he does. But I love him. Love, love, love. And I feel it probably more in the CPG world. But he talks about the infinite game and the finite game. And you know, in the finite game, people are just playing to either win. I mean, there's there's known rules, and it seems like you always want to win or, you know, an infinite game. It's about perpetuating the game. It's about survival. And I think sometimes in the, in the CPG industry, it's like, there's so many things happening that, you know, you always want to be number one, but I'm not sure what number one in, in that sense could be. But for us, we want to create a category, a lasting legacy company. And sometimes, you know, there will be some lows, right? We, we may not be number one. And sometimes we'll get that opportunity to win. And, you know, it's super volatile. But for me, it's always been you know, this mindset is not about winning or losing. It's about how do you just do the best that you can and survive and continue this legacy. And so that's been, you know, quite of a challenge as, as things get super exciting. And sometimes there's, you know, the very down, like very, very <laughs> difficult moments. It's can you just, what's going to happen next, right? How do you keep it going? And so I would say that, it's something that I'm super fortunate to be a part of. And again, being surrounded by amazing people that, that keep you grounded has always been, if not allowed me to help us go through some of these challenges. You're right. It's a theme that has come up on many of the podcasts. The highs are super high. The lows are dreadfully low. How do you bring yourself back up from the lows? What do you do? Do you have, I mean, you obviously have great mentors, you have great people that you're paying attention to. Is that where you go when you need a boost? Yeah. And I think for sure, you know, I've been fortunate surrounded by really good people, but my, my, my father has always reminded me, Ken, you know, we've been in business for 42 years. Mm-hmm. Think about long-term, you know? And, and so when, when I hear just, and this is what I think about why the mentors and advisors for me have always been either more experienced or older because they've gone through these different challenges for someone like me, it seems like it's life or death and it just seems very drastic. When I surround myself with my father or other mentors and advisors who can just kind of calm you down, that's been one really good thing. My family has also been amazing. My sister 
Hisa is also highly involved in the business. And she, I'm more like my father and my sister is more like my mother. And we really balance each other out, right? Like she's really keeps me grounded in terms of, you know, coming back to what's the purpose of Sunnido, right? Yeah. It's like that long-term vision. And so my wife's also a good sounding board. And so just really good people. But at the same time, when I do have a bad day or a challenging day, I go out to visit some restaurants or some of our customers. And when they tell me, Ken, you know, what you do yeah. helps our business or Ken, you know, the ramen kits that you sent, my, my kids love it. Those things, you know, those will keep you motivated for sure. It's an interesting place to be because you do have the benefit of the other part of your business that is really successful and and you have those people to go to. So I think that's really a gift because it's not like you started this brand and we're like, I got to get into CPG and it's life or death. And But still, it's very, very challenging. And it's interesting to hear how people manage through those highs and lows. What does success look like for you? Like, is there a place you feel like you need to get or want to get that'll make you say, yep, that's where we were headed? Yeah. You know, I think for success for us, you know, it's not a top line dollar amount or, you know, it's not being number one, because I think number one for us is, it depends on who you're talking to. I think for success for us, and this is really from the family, is to build an organization, the Ohana, that are so aligned with the values, right? Respect, integrity, you know, in terms of craftsmanship, you know, service to the community. If we can build an organization, because now we're three locations, we'll be four locations next month, right? Hawaii, California, New Jersey, Netherlands. Wow. But the values and the organization that we could build and the people that we could have, if we can build something like that, where people are just proud to come to work, where they're proud to talk about what they do, even if they had a bad day, they're proud to talk about that with their family. But also when they wear this logo, you know, they just feel super proud about this organization. I think for me, that would be success because there's a handful of organizations that I really respect and have been fortunate to, to speak to them. When you walk into their office, when you walk into their plant, you just feel this sense of positivity, this, this love, this, you know, this warmth. And that, that feels really good. And, and so if we can build an organization like that, where people are you know, getting better every single day, they're, they're advancing in their career, the, the company becomes this image of, of true value to, to consumers and then ultimately, if you're proud to work here because your mother's proud that you work there, I mean, so awesome. that would be amazing for me. I love it. And it's so great to hear someone say things like that, because that's not often how people define success. It is how you define success, because what's better than that kind of culture? And those kinds of cultures propel businesses forward, obviously, because the people are so connected to them and so aligned with all of the values and the things that make you successful. I think that's how you get successful. And for the most part. So that's awesome that you already have those in your head as the things that are going to make you the most excited and proud. So that's really cool. So when I think about it, my, my father was 19 when he moved to Hawaii, didn't speak any English. And so the community wow. helped him, accepted him. And, you know, he's been able to build a business. And I think about that one chance, if we can create these opportunities for people to be successful, even if you don't speak English, even if you're not from the U.S., that just feels really good. Because I saw that growing up, my mother and my father, you know, not speaking English, but just working really hard. And then on the upside is having the ability to, to raise us as a family. So, yeah. That's, is your dad still in Hawaii? He is. He's actually in LA right now, visiting our LA plant. But yeah, he's based in Hawaii. Wow, that's wild. And, and you're in New Jersey. That's far, but 
Not so far anymore with, with all the things <laughs> I do to stay connected. That's what I always sort of ask as we're wrapping up. Do you have advice that you would want to share with people who are sort of struggling or thinking about starting something or anything like that? You know, advice that I've probably gotten and one that stays true to me is, you know, just, just surround yourself with people who are like-minded mm-hmm. and every stage for me has always been a little bit different, but, you know, maybe having that one person that could be your thought partner that could really believe in what your vision is, but also tell you can, you know, let's look at this a little bit more, but a real thought partner that can listen to your dreams and your visions and your goals, but also work with you on the day-to-day, the realistic things of what needs to happen today to get there. I think that that's one that's helped me level set. And then two is, this is a grind, right? Like you're going to have to be passionate. You're going to have to put in the hard work. You're going to have, again, the highs and lows, like every other speaker that came on your podcast had mentioned. And that is true because, you know, we had some lows and, and highs last year. And sometimes these are very, very difficult. But, you know, if, if you have that passion, if you have that drive, if you have that kind of spirit, you know, you'll find good people who want to support you. And I think that's been amazing for me because I've moved to New York about 11 years ago, didn't know anyone. But when you have that hard work, that drive, people will tend to just want to help you and support you. So I think that's true. Who's your thought partner? So his name is Bill Shen, and he's, he's very much well-known in, in this CPG space. He used to work at a company called Encore. And, you know, they were, how I first met him was he was interested, or the firm was interested in talking to Sun Noodle. Now, okay, we're a family business. We've been fortunate to fund everything through the family. But when I met him, he just had this genuine wanting to help people, even if it had no business with Encore. Mm-hmm. We become best friends, but what I've really, you know, when when the trade show started to happen again, and we walked the floor together, every single person that I met, every corner, would come up to Bill Shen and ask for his advice. And so I'm just fortunate that he's my thought partner in, in a lot That's of things. Amazing. That's yeah. cool. And I mean, I they're obviously the idea of having someone to bounce things off isn't new, but calling them a thought partner and it not being someone who's in your business, I think is really interesting. I honestly thought you were going to say your sister or someone that you already were connected to through the business. But I think in a lot of ways, it's even better, right? Because you've got a real sounding board, someone who's had the experience and someone who's going to tell you the truth. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And obviously, you know, my sister and I are like best friends, right? We also know that we don't know everything outside of CPG. And we have fantastic people in the organization that are so driven. But I think what, what Bill brings to me is a different perspective. You know, yeah. uh, he challenges us to dream bigger and he actually motivates all of us to get there. So he's one thought partner that I speak to to a lot and a lot of our staff, you know, has access to him as well, but. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Anything else you want to share before we wrap up? I really appreciate you being so generous with your time. So thank you. No, just apologies about my voice. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No one even know. No, this is fun. But yeah, I think for me is, you know, if you've never had tried ramen before, please, you know, visit your local ramen shop. If you don't have one, you know, please check out our, our products. But really I think that, you know, we have this passion for ramen and we want to bridge the two cultures of Japan and the U S and, you know, if you have a moment, give us a chance. We would yeah. love for you to try it out. Yeah. Well, I can attest to the fact that I had never had ramen at home beyond what I had a long, long time ago. And it was really, 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 really great. So it's good. Try Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Christa. Yeah. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.